Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Alric Brissell. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics or have a guest. It just depends. This week we don't have a guest, and so we're going to give you our point of view on some topics, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. So you just spent two weeks without me. I know. How was, was that? It was, it was tough, man. <laughs> it's very tough, but I survived. Well, thank you for giving me the time to, course, to recuperate. Um, yeah, no problem. Yeah, just so everyone out there knows, I had a death in the family and had to go deal with it. I'm like the point person on it, so it's not just grieving it, but I was also like taking care of things, cleaning out apartments and talking to the coroner and um, landlord and all that stuff. So, you know, it's a lot of work. I've never had to like be a responsible adult when there's a death in the family. I've always, it's always kind of happened like behind a closed door. And like somebody said, Hey, Timothy, grandma died. And then, you know, you cry it out, you go to the funeral and that's it. But to have all the additional responsibilities, it's like, it's, it's heavy. It's really heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been in that situation either. It's like when my grandparents passed, we didn't even have funerals for them. We just, I guess they got cremated and then we just had our little own ceremony in the backyard. That's it. <laughs> so I thought it would take me like a week to get back on my feet, but then there's like all these other additional things that need to happen. Um, and it got really difficult. So yeah, thanks again for keeping the podcast afloat without me. It was a huge help. Oh, of course, man. Yeah. My pleasure. And we, you know, I think we had two good episodes, um, you know, without you, although I think the Margaret one especially would have been better if you were there. Cause um, I think you would have had a lot of great questions for her and, you know, she's right up your alley as far as, uh, you know, everything yeah. goes because she does special effects and we do special effect movies. Or yeah, that's awesome. I would shorts, have loved to you know. have talked to her. Well, I'll yeah. listen to it. Maybe I'll follow up with some email questions. Yeah. And then another special thanks to, to Kwong Lee for coming in and filling in with the Maria Maia episode. Yeah. Um, thanks, that Kwong. was really fun. It's good. It's good for you to have those experiences with other guests. So you can yeah, see. I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's fun, but I mean, you know, it's not the same because doing it with you, it's like the second hand, short hand, like we're in a rhythm, we're in a groove. We just, you know, toss it off from one person to another person with the questions. And right. I mean, we've been doing it together for so long. It's just, we have our own flow. Um, so it's just different doing it with somebody else, but not, not in a bad way. It's just, you know, different experience. Yeah. I don't think know. I've ever done an episode with a guest host i think you no. will, you've done it a few times <laughs> i'm so stubborn i'm like i'm gonna be in every episode damn it i'm not taking a break i am never leaving this stupid show <laughs> yeah is that true have i never done one without you i remember there's one where you dropped off for a little bit because you yeah. had to go talk to the police but and then also there's another one where you came in late but yeah. i don't think you uh, yeah you might have never missed a show I think I've been a part of it one way or another. I don't think you've ever done one completely without me before. Um, But I did a couple Colin Levy's um, without you while you were away. I think he did that twice. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, and then, yeah, the Kwong one. There was even that, remember that um, Christmas break where I didn't want to do it? And so you just like played old clips from that never made it into the show? Yeah, I did my own intro and outro, and I did the little, yeah, those, the, I don't know. I was so, I, I think I still am. I'm just, like, so obsessed with this idea of not missing a week uh, since we started this thing. So I just don't want to miss a week. I want to just funny. have a new episode every every week. Every once in a while, I'm just like, I don't care. Just whatever. <laughs> if if it doesn't happen for a week or two weeks, no one's probably going to even notice. Right. I mean, they probably wouldn't really care, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like... 
as, as to doing a podcast, it's like, I think the consistency is like one of the big things that helps uh, you getting more listeners and getting a, a, a bigger fan base, you know? And so if you drop out on episodes, I think it's hard to build, um, you know, but we're on, you know, 169 right now. So we're doing, doing pretty good. Yeah. Man, nearing 200. That's going to be insane. Yeah. Holy that's moly. insane. Well, what's up um, with you? What you've been working on? I, I've been kind of dealing with family <laughs> stuff for the past few weeks. So right. I guess, though, you know, I will say this before you, you jump in is um, I am on my I, I negotiated with my work to take a month off every three months as part of like um, my negotiations for the additional responsibilities I've taken on. So I'm in the middle of my month off right now. So I should theoretically be writing, but. I just not really in the headspace yet. I've only gotten like one good day in. So we'll see. I really want to get to it. And maybe it just means like I take another week down and and get my head back. And then starting next week, I get into writing and maybe only get two weeks instead of four weeks uh, of writing in. But, and then I just have to kind of work on it while when I'm back at work, but I am, I do want to get this next story that I have in my head down um, some, some way or another and not have to wait till my next break. So that's going on. And then right before I left, there was a few commercial projects that I that I thought that I might either want to direct or get. One of them was through my agency, and uh, it was a script I was really interested in, but it ended up not coming my way. And given where I am with the whole, like, I'm not going to be pushing my career forward, I didn't really fight to get it. I didn't go talk to anyone. I didn't really like tell anyone oh, I really, really want this. I just kind of like let things be where they, they are. Like my name was up for the running. My reel was sent out to the creatives as creatives I'd worked with before. Um, they had talked about me as a potential, but in the end they decided to, to bid three other directors. So you just didn't Which, push yourself basically. I didn't push it. I didn't push wow. it. And I, I definitely could have, but I was just like, in the end, it ended up being good, given what happened with my family. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a weird feeling because it's not like me, you know? Normally, I'm like behind the scenes just trying to make it happen however I can. Right. And Do then, you think the next yeah. one that you will you will push yourself or it just depends on the circumstance? I think the... it depends. I don't know. I'm still kind of feeling the same way where I just don't... I I, I want to prioritize the writing stuff over everything else. And so right, it's right. hard for me to like, especially knowing that this commercial project was going to dip into the, the time off I had for writing. It was like, do I really want to like take two weeks off out of my <laughs> vacation to go direct this thing? Right, right. I don't know. I mean, it's not really my goal anymore. So I guess not. I mean, if it comes my way, maybe, but I'm not going to push for it. Interesting. And then I got a script from Capital Art that I just decided I didn't know how to make good. And so I said, no, I'm not interested. Oh, really? And I, and I sat down with those guys and just wow. had, had the talk with them. And it was just like... Um, That's crazy. I, I, I just told them, I'm going to be super picky. I, I may not even direct. I don't know. You guys are more than welcome <laughs> to keep my reel on your site if you want. Oh, but I so understand funny. if you want to take it down because uh, you're probably going to be hearing no from me a lot. Wow. And what about the project wasn't right? Was it just not that interesting or just not that good of a script? Or like what It was wasn't a good script. It was something I just didn't... I would have to rewrite the whole thing in order to make it something that I'd be excited to, to direct. So it was... Um, 
it's breaking the fourth wall, talking directly to camera, very ad, ad talk. You know, if you look at the script, the opening line and the closing line were like written, definitely written by the creatives, but everything in the middle of the script was like client talk about all the features of the product. And I just, I didn't want to do it. It just didn't sound fun. Wow. Didn't sound like the right kind of challenge, let's say. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. that that's interesting. I mean, yeah. it's hard for me to understand that now. When I'm in this phase where I'm like, <laughs> give me, give me, give me. <laughs> right. Well, whatever you got, I'll do it. You know. Well, that's why I like the the topic that we're going to talk about today about like, um, you know what what kind of directing experience should you go after? Like, should you just say yes to everything just to get the experience, or should you just be more choosy? So that'll be fun to talk about, and I'm curious to hear where your head's at on that. And then last thing is, and I don't know if you want, if I can even talk about this, but you told me that uh, BLK Prime was looking for like a series. And so I wrote something over like a week and submitted it to them. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we could talk about that. I mean, yeah, they they are looking for series pitches right now for web series. Um, Any genre will do. So if anyone has anything, you can email me. Um, you know, just to my direct email, uh, all work at Purcell Productions and I'll pass it on forward to them. You know, uh, we're just, we're trying to find, uh, the best, uh, directors and creative teams, um, uh, out there to, you know, make these series happen. And, uh, you know, uh, we're ready to green light things as soon as we can. So yeah, send things, send, send things through. So that was a cool experience to like, hear from you maybe on a Monday and you said if you could have something by Friday that would be great and so I just yeah I had an idea that I'd been toying with for a long time it was definitely the first time I thought about this idea it was you know a huge budget movie you know like a I don't know 40 million dollar movie and I never wrote it because I just I didn't want to spend a bunch of time writing something that was so huge but I always like kind of this idea is keeps coming up and so i just use this opportunity to get it down on paper and just be like well what if it was a low budget thing how would i do it i was worried that you were gonna just tell me no uh that you were gonna be like no i'm not directing anymore i don't i'm not interested and then when i said that to you and then you actually said a, a treatment in so quickly i was like oh he didn't actually quit directing he's uh you know still writing treatments so you know, yeah i guess just- uh i think it's more that i quit pushing my career forward or quit pursuing a career as a director okay i think i've just kind of accepted that i'm i'm a hobbyist and i'm right probably always going to be a hobbyist and (laughs) and so that (laughs) and that's just going to mean that i'm going to make different decisions than i would if i was like i really want to go and and be a working director i just don't know if that's really what i want I, i mean i'd almost say but you're like a hobbyist by choice because you you basically you just turn down two directing opportunities yeah Roughly. I mean, turn down is probably a little bit too harsh of a word because you didn't even, it's not like they were offers, you know, it was more like offered to bid, basically. Um, so who knows if you would have ever even gotten them. But yeah, I don't know. I feel yeah, like- I guess I'm not willing to put the hustle into those kind of projects because I look at what I guess I look at a, what a career as a director looks like, at least in the short term, and it just doesn't seem attractive to me. So I'm, and I'm okay with that. That's fine. Right. And I, and I know that not pushing it forward means that I might not direct again. And I'm cool with that too. And I, and really where my heart is in is kind of where it was in college where it's like, I just want to 
work on the things that I want to work on and I want to make the things that I want to make. And yeah, nothing may happen because I'm not doing what I know needs to be done in order to push things forward. And that's, that's just where I am. You know, that's cool. That's fine. Yeah. If that um, makes any sense. I don't know if it makes any sense. And I know it's complicated and convoluted, but that's kind of, you know, it's more about not pushing the energy forward on things that I'm just, my heart's not in. in. Right. But it's not, but I mean, I guess what I want to just clarify. So you're saying like, oh, I know all I will be is a hobbyist um, and I'm okay with that. I guess it's not that I don't think that a career ever might happen for me. I just, I'm okay with if all, if all I'm doing is just working unpaid on spec stuff and that's all I do, I'm cool. I'm fine with that. I don't need to be like a paid commercial director or a paid feature film director to satisfy my idea of success. Right. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like you could be doing that if you wanted to, that you ha- you have the option and the path to be a paid commercial director. Yes. But you're choosing to be a hobbyist because yes. you prefer that. Exactly. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no. I mean, hey, man, you know, everyone has their own thing that, that, that they they want to do and the own way they want to live their life. And I think like everything is, is fine, you know, doing one way or the other. But, um, you know, I think for me, it's just hard to imagine living it any other way, but the way I'm living it now. And I think if I wasn't doing these things and I was just, you know, coming home and relaxing every day and doing a nine to five job or whatever, and not like putting in the hustle, I I just don't know if I'd be happy, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, this is interesting. So I met with, um, Matt, uh, Enloe from just shoot it and his wife, Christine Weatherup. I think I'm saying that name right, but, um, yeah, they came, they were in San Francisco doing some pitches for their, their feature that they're working on. Oh, cool. Is she uh, a writer, director, producer? She's a writer and a director. Um, and Matt's producing her feature with her. But um, we were talking about this a little bit because, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to, you know, mind me saying this or not. But Matt told me that him, he and Oren were really, um, you know, like taken aback when they heard the episode about you quitting. And uh, it was like a big deal to them. And like they were like shocked and like, you know, kind of like made them question some things. Like, I don't, I don't know if really question their lives because there's they're they're definitely set doing what they're doing but we had this conversation basically over drinks it was like could could you ever imagine not doing this anymore like you know and and we all three basically came up with our own version of no like we're just doing this forever (laughs) yeah you know no matter what you know um and uh it was it was just interesting and then i think they actually talked about it on the show too i've I've, i'm all caught up in their show now and i think they might have had a, a little brief conversation about our episode on one of their episodes and about you quitting, I think. Um, yeah. So anyways, but it was just really interesting just to have that conversation with some other filmmakers and just hear like what their thoughts are on like the, the career for life sort of idea. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I don't know, <laughs> you know, it's easier. I think it is easier for me just to say that I'm quitting, even though that's not really the reality just because I just don't want any expectations about what I'm doing next, both for myself and anyone else, because I don't know. I don't know. And I'm just, I guess the the main thing is just I have no plan. 
Right. You know, it's I, th- I think this podcast has always kind of made me feel like I need a plan. I need to come on every week and tell people, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to do. This is where I'm headed. And I'm like, I don't know anymore. And I'm fine if I, I think I'm happy right now if I don't make another movie. If I never right. direct another commercial, if I never get paid for this, you know? So yeah, that's why I feel like it, saying yeah. that I'm a hobbyist is more like, I'm in more of the Chris Ford camp where I'm working in advertising. I'm kind of, I have life goals that are outside of filmmaking that I'm pursuing. And just, it's more about the everyday happiness of just living life right now and just pursuing things that I really want to pursue. And, you know, that's, that's all I want for as my base and then anything else is kind of like icing on the cake like if a commercial comes that i really want to direct i will go direct it i'm not i'm not opposed to it i'm just not going to go look for it i'm not going to go find it and i'm same thing with features and shorts and all that stuff so you know i'm just i'm i feel in a lot of ways i feel like i'm back in college you know i'm just i'm reading a lot i'm working on my own stuff i'm just writing things but i have no real plans for like what i'm gonna do with it and if anything's gonna ever come out of it so right. is that quitting? I don't know. I don't, it's probably not quitting. It's more just, just reevaluating where I, where I stand on all this stuff. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I guess I don't really think it doesn't really sound like quitting to me. Um, you know, I guess if you had certain goals that you were trying to achieve by a certain time, then maybe it was, it's more like quitting cause you're like not going after those goals anymore. But you know, you're still, you still gonna, you're still gonna make movies and tell stories as you see fit. And, you know, if you get inspired, you're obviously gonna go make something, right? You're not gonna be like, oh, I'm inspired to write this, but I quit, so I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like that. It's not that kind of quitting. It's more, it's more just coming to terms with, I may not find another project. I may not find another commercial right. that I want to direct. I may not find another feature I want to direct. And I'm totally cool with that. I'm not pushing anything forward and I'm not going to do things that I don't want to do. Right. Like but just, I mean, like, you know, for in- the BLK thing, for example, like that got that came your way yeah. and it sounded interesting to you. So then, so then you pursued it, you know? Yeah. So I'm sure you'll still do that, you know, from time to time on certain things. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. I'm curious to see what you end up directing next. Um, you know what that ends up being. I'm curious to see if I direct something. Oh, next. well, I know you're going to direct something. <laughs> I, love I love that you have confidence in that. <laughs> no, I know you will. I just, you know, who knows when and, and what it will be. Yeah, I, it's, right. I mean, it could likely be a commercial. Um, I think it could be a short just as easily. Um, it could be this, this series. I, I don't know. They're, who knows? But uh, I, th- I think you'll be back in this in the saddle. Uh, sooner rather than later yeah we'll see Uh, right now though i I feel like super inspired and i'm happy and it's working for me so nice i'm happy about where i'm at that's awesome so what about you what are you working on and is anything happening with the alternate yeah so the alternate um i can't i probably talked about getting an investor signed on um in the last couple months um so that happened and now we're planning our crowdfunding campaign very loosely. We're just starting that process. I think, you know, we'll probably do that in the fall if that ends up happening. Um, probably in October, I, I think is the loose date that we've sort of set. Um, I've got an idea for a teaser that I've written that I think is great. We, the team's interested in doing it. I actually have this whole idea to do like a crossover between, like doing a lens test and then doing a podcast episode about the lens test and then doing a teaser trailer shoot all at the same time. So like 
we're testing our lenses. We get the copper cooperation from a rental house and then we get an episode out of it and then they get, they get some publicity. So it'd basically be like, you know, just doing like a three wave thing, you know, to, uh, you know, while we, we shoot the teaser. So when I have like a date and a location all secured and we're like ready to go, then I'll reach out to the, um, you know, to the rental houses and see if, if, if anyone's willing to do that, you know, it's just, we want to test a lot of like really expensive lenses. So it's just trying to figure out if, you know, how it'll work out with liability and stuff. Um, but I think it'll, I think it'll work. We just have to find the right, the right partner. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and then I've got the portal is, is being designed right now. We've got like draft, uh, 10 or something that, uh, a friend of the show Zeke has put together for yeah. for me, which is great, um, and it's getting rave reviews from the producing producing team, which is really awesome. So, and is this being designed as stills or as moving images? No, we're having to make the actual thing because in the teaser we have to have the actual portal because I don't want to just do it in post. I want to do like I actually want to project it. Um, from a projector, like live, and then shoot it. You know? Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we're we're here having actually direct just design the actual thing that we'll use. Um, and I'm sure, like you know, from the teaser trailer to the final film, I'm sure it'll get um, you know revised and stuff. But I mean, we want to get something that's pretty close to what we're actually going to see. Um, and so far, I think it looks really cool, and everyone's really digging it. So I feel like that's 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 a huge thing. That is huge. You know? Yeah. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And is so, Zeke doing it through the visual effects house he's with or just no, on the side? kind of on his own. I talked to them about, you know, them coming on board as the visual effects partner. And I think they may still, but I think we're just a little bit low budget for what they have, you know? And so yeah. we're, we're going to figure that out. Yeah, so that's exciting. And then we have a meeting this week to talk about the next steps. And I've been talking to an investor who... Um, is interested, read the script, um, you know, is, hasn't committed yet, but I think hopefully he will. So yeah, I mean, it's going well. I mean, I think like we're in this position where we are really close to being able to make it no matter what, you know, uh, as far as the amount that we've raised. Uh, so I feel like with one or two more investors, we'll be at that number. And then the, uh, you know, the, whatever the crowdfunding will just be like getting us closer to our original goal. But no matter what, we'll be able to make something, (laughs) you know, Uh, it might not be the same way that we originally planned it, but I, I I don't know. I guess what I've also been told is that at this stage where you're so close to like getting to a certain percentage of your budget Mm -hmm. that, you know, once you hit that like 50% or whatever, the rest of it comes pretty easily. So I'm, st- I think we're all still in the same mindset that we think that that's going to happen. Yeah. You're at the threshold. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know right now it feels like, you know, sometime early next year that this is when we'll probably shoot this movie, like probably in, in February uh, or March. So you've moved it. You moved the, the shoot date back. Yeah. I mean, you know, I kind of always thought that like it was somewhere between winter and spring, you know, I mean, especially <laughs> when, when June rolled around and we were still at the number we were at, at the back, back then I was like, yeah. oh man, like we have a lot of ground to cover in, in three months and we've covered some of it, just not, you know, as much as I was hoping. Um, yeah. cause I wanted the full budget basically by the, 
by next month right. is what I was right. aiming for. And we're just not there not yet. There. So but yeah. I thought you were going to shoot in the fall, regardless of how much you raised, just whatever you had, you're just going to make it. Well, yeah, it was kind of like, this is decision time, you know, mm-hmm. was, was the idea that like in the fall, we were going to make our decision. But I think uh, we're still, still like that. I mean, basically, you know, after the crowdfunding, let's assuming that we do the crowdfunding, that's when it'll be like decision time. But I think, I think it's, it's gonna, yeah, I just, I kind of just feel like February or March seems, seems realistic at this, at this point, you know? I wonder how Um, many times over the three years of this podcast, you said when you were shooting the alternate, I don't know, probably too many, (laughs) (laughs) but this time it actually, it's, it's actually realistic because of the amount that I've, that we've raised and, um, and the team that we have together and, and, and everything it's, you know, it's not like I've said it before a bunch when I didn't have any money raised, and I was like, yeah, we'll just figure it out. We'll just shoot it in the do in, it. We'll in make the fall. it happen. Shoot it in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> I probably said shoot in the fall a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Every at the beginning of every year, you're like, I'm going to shoot it this fall. Yeah, it's happening this no, fall. But it, it feels really. It's like it's actually going to happen in 2019. Um, you know, like like the actual shoot. You know, and and I feel like the beginning of this year or something. Whenever we were talking about stuff i was like we're either gonna be shooting or gonna have a plan to shoot by the end of 2018 you know and so i think that's still gonna be accurate um i believe so i don't know um but again i also feel like it's not a rush you know it's not a race it's just about getting the movie made the way that you want to get it made and uh it shouldn't feel like this pressure to get it done by a certain date because that'll yeah. just hurt the movie. You know, that's, that's what I would recommend. I mean, even as painful as the spirit machine process was, you know, after it was done, all of that process went away, you know, it's like, and only the movie lives on. So you like kind of know it feeling what that experience was like. I would always recommend somebody. It's like as painful as it is to wait if you have to wait to do it right, then just wait. It's not yeah. worth rushing to get a movie made that in the end, you're just kind of like, eh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Yeah, totally. So I, I feel, feel really good about it. I feel like we're in a good spot and, um, you know, feel like we're, we're going to make this movie, uh, really soon. And, uh, I'm just really excited that I'm getting to do it and that I've got such a great team behind it. And I'm just really excited to start approaching cast and trying to find the right people to be in it, but we just got to get a little bit more money first before we can start reaching out. Yeah. You know, well, keep doing it. It sounds like you're pushing it forward in all the right ways and keep, yeah. keep going. And I, Thanks, I man. and I would just do the Liz Manischel thing. Say you're shooting it in April on April 15th or whatever, just so you have like a hard date that you're working towards. And it <laughs> helps to tell people that too, right. probably investors as well. We're right. shooting well, this, this movie in April 15th. This will be one of the uh, things we'll talk about at my meeting this week with my producers. Be like, should we just set a date? Can we do that now? Can we start reaching out to actors? Come on, guys. Let's what, do it. What should Let's we do, do here? Yeah. What do we need to do to make this happen? <laughs> I think Jeff? you just need to start <laughs> pretending like it's real, and then it'll start to become real. I mean, it is real. There's no pretending. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think you just need to treat it as if it's real, and then it'll become I mean, it even more real. real. But you mean, but just like set dates? <laughs> yeah, set dates and just start like locking things in like as much as you can right like if you you play it safe 
it'll never feel like it's really moving forward in the right ways. And so, right. sometimes you just have to commit to things that might be a yeah. little un- uncomfortable. But we can't. But we can't make offers to to actors until we have the money to pay them. You know, maybe and, or can and, you? And I mean, pay. didn't Steve Bernstein is that his name? He he recommended recommended just getting what? Oh no, he recommended getting money and then getting actors. Not I think so. All right, never mind. Yeah. Well, Anyways. last time we talked, you were directing more. Is that still happening? Yeah. So I have directed. Um, Another commercial or a commercial. No, I shouldn't say another. It's the first one. I directed a commercial <laughs> um, about a week ago, uh-huh. uh, which was really great. It was uh, an alcohol commercial for a, a new vodka brand. Oh, wow. Um, so that was really cool. It's very like product stuff and yeah. a story uh, with actors. Um, Is it done? And- Can we see it? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm uh, basically going to finish like the polished cut to show the client um by the end of the month so the you know send it to the client by the end of the month get notes um and then um maybe finalize in september and then i don't know when they're going to want to release them and if they're going to release one at a time or all three because we did three different versions of the same spot at once so i imagine we'll probably release all three at once and then They'll probably do targeted marketing in different parts of the country based off of, or different parts of the world based off the different actors that we had for each role, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, That's I don't cool. know. How'd you get that we'll job? Happen. Uh, that was BLK. Okay. Also. Yeah. There you're like, they're your honeypot. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Everything directing that I've done recently has been all been through BLK, That's which has amazing. been great. Yeah. And so then I'm directing another Girl Power episode mm-hmm. uh, this Saturday. Um, which is exciting. So that'll be your second. That'll be my second, mm-hmm. and um, or third, I should say. I did two in one day, so okay. it'll be my second Coming day of shooting sitcom. Third episode. Uh-huh. Yep. And then um, we've got another show that I'm editing the the pilot episode for right now, uh, and then. I may or may not direct one of those episodes coming up. So we're supposed to shoot two back to back in September. And so the first one, I think I'm going to be the assistant director. And then depending on how things go, I might direct the, 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 the second of those two. So that'd be the third episode of, of that show, um, which would be great. Cause they have a really great cast for that show. And the um, performances are, are really solid. And the, um, and the team behind it is really good. Like Gavin Murray, who was a previous guest of the yeah. show. He's the cinematographer. Awesome. So it looks really beautiful. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for that. I don't, I really don't know what's going to happen with that show. Like I, I, I can't really say that for sure. I'm going to end up directing an episode, but you know, it may happen. And then that series thing I talked about, um, I've got one or two ideas for those. So, I may do one, one or two, maybe just one. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Wow. So but, you're like writing, directing and editing for these guys. Yeah, pretty much. Are you producing too? Um, A little, but, but I love not that really. Though. No, that's good. That's great that you're doing just a little because you yeah. should be focusing on all the other stuff that you really want to do. They don't want me to be producing as much. They want me to just focus on the creative stuff and Love let that. their producers do the producing, <laughs> <laughs> which has like been hard for me to turn it off. I talked a little bit about yeah. that in the Maria Maya episode. It's just like, you know, I keep on overstepping my bounds as a director into producer things. And um, no, I just do it naturally no because 
There's no such thing. Like some some of the best directors are basically producers. Yeah, but I feel like you know when when one producer has a certain style, and then if you start you know upsetting that style by doing their job for them in a way that they don't want it to be done, um, <laughs> then right. it's causing it causes more problems than like you shouldn't be doing than helping timesheets or schedules or anything. But you should definitely be th- approaching things from a production standpoint. Right. Like, why can't well, we just do it like this? We can just... Yeah. I, yeah. It's not really that kind of stuff. It's more like, you know, m- like, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to say. It's like overstepping my bounds and, and making and, and giving information where I would normally give information to a, a party that's involved. <laughs> oh, but then, um, yeah. they, then maybe they don't want me to give that information because I, I think it's more helpful and better for the production, but then they don't think they don't agree with me. So, right. Are you, you like, know, are, that, are you talking money? Stuff. You're saying we have $500 no. to spend on this. No, not, not really. I mean okay. a little bit, but, but yeah, but things of that nature, I should right. say, right. You know, um, I just feel like the more information everybody has, the better job that everyone's going to do, but, um, that they, they don't necessarily, you know, that not, makes not everyone sees that it that way. You, you know? need to focus on just communicating what you want and then let them figure it out with the producer, given the money and time restraints and all that stuff. Right. Like, they, yeah, just let them do that stuff. And I yeah. can talk to everyone about the vision and the create creativity and the, the dialogue and the performances and yeah. all that great stuff and how great the show is going to be. But let them worry about, you know, all the logistics. Yeah. Like, I keep on wanting to get involved with logistics. And I have a certain way that I think logistics and communication should go. But, um, yeah, not everyone shares that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way to put it. You yeah. Know? No, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, well, we're but, 35 yeah. minutes in and we haven't even started our topics. Well, this gets, this, this can kind of roll into the whole directing experience topic just because, you know, this has been really good that I've been directing things and getting paid like a tiny little bit to do it, you know, which has been nice. Um, but you know, is it really what I should be doing? Like, should I be focusing all my creative energy towards the alternate and like not doing all these other directing jobs? And then if these shows like, you know, if I can't necessarily control the quality of them all the time because I'm not writing them and you know, they have small budgets. Like, is it worse for me to be directing things that only have a certain, like cap of being good or is it, does it matter? Like I'm just directing things. You're you not know? actually going after like a career as a sitcom director. So is this really like building <laughs> right, your that, reel in the right way? Exactly. What you're asking? That, that's another, that's another way of, of putting it too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's tough. Cause yeah, like directing experience is directing experience and that, that counts for something. But if it's stuff that you're not going to necessarily put in your reel, because it's not building your reel in the right direction, then your question is, is it, is it worth my time? Right. Exactly. Like, is it, is it, you know, am I just going backwards, even though I'm learning a lot and getting a lot of experience and getting time on set and working with actors and growing as a, as a director, like, does that actually matter? Um, Like, or is it, or is it, should just, should I just be like focusing on the one perfect, wonderful project that I'm going to make that's going to, like define my whole career yeah, and everything that I do will be judged on that and that alone. And that, you know, having other directing credits is like even like 
you know, is worse for me in some way because it's like, oh, you know, he's directed this one cool movie, sure, but he also directed all this crap that no one cares about, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah, man, that's that's the dilemma of being a a director. I think a professional director, if that's what you're after, is you don't really have a lot of control over the projects that somebody's going to be willing to pay you for, uh, especially when you're starting out. I remember so the one of the first commercial projects I worked on was an NBA spot um, back in 2008 and the directors were Dayton Ferris who uh, it's a husband wife team and they also directed Little Miss Sunshine and they had just come off of Little Miss Sunshine when we worked with them and so I was having this conversation with them because at that time at, at my agency I was directing a lot of stuff that I didn't want to be directing um, but at the same time, it was like, but I'm directing, I'm getting paid to direct. So, I mean, that's cool. Uh, and, you know, just to talk about a little bit of that stuff that I was directing, it was me as the producer, the DP, the director, the editor. I was kind of doing everything. Sometimes I was writing, sometimes I was even acting in these things. And there, a lot of them were supposed to look like they were user-generated because I was like the hip thing at the time because YouTube had just come out and everyone was using it. And so they wanted everything to feel like it came from consumers rather than a professional production, which really sucked for me because that's not the stuff I want to be doing. I want to be doing like big productions, polished things. I went to right. film school. I don't want to be just be shooting on a camcorder and, and doing handheld stuff. So yeah, I was talking to them about it and they said, do everything you can, get your hands on every experience you can on the weekend shoot stuff. You know, if you can get paid to to shoot stuff, get paid to shoot it, like just keep making stuff. Um, Because they said that it took them a long time to get to the point where they were directing the stuff that they wanted to direct. Right. And I think that once you get to that point where you're getting the kind of work that you want to direct, then maybe you can start making the decisions. But if you're not being offered things right now where you kind of have a choice, if you want to be a professional director, you probably just have to kind of take it, take what you can get, and then hopefully build yourself in a direction to where you can start saying yes or no to things, depending on if they fit into into what you're trying to do. And I think it's also a good way for you just to figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at. Right, um, right. That's that's kind of my take. I feel like given where you're at in your career, you should probably just take what you can for a while until you feel like you've kind of milked it for everything it's worth. And then when you're just kind of right. like, you know what, this doesn't contribute to what I'm what I want to do anymore, then you can just leave it. But right now, I think it's probably just it's good experience. Yeah, that's pretty much been my mindset the whole time is that like any directing is good, you know, because it's just, you know, getting me closer and closer to directing full time and not doing any of this other stuff and not producing and not shooting whatever uh, interviews and things. Although that stuff is fun. But I mean, if I could be doing if I could be directing every day, that's what I would be doing, you know. Um, So that's sort of the, the mindset. And yeah, I think it's right. And I think that. As long as I keep on working on the alternate, I don't completely ignore that project. Like, I don't think it's actually hurting anything. And like, you know, for instance, when I was uh, at Oath in Sunnyvale for 10 days producing, like I basically, I think I had one meeting about the alternate in that time and I didn't do anything else for the project um, during those 10 days, you know, and while I'm directing these things over at BLK, like I have lots of time where I can 
fit in emails or, you know, get a little work done on the script or work on my, um, uh, you know, lookbook or whatever, you know. So I, I don't think it's really hurt the project that much, you know. Um, I think the only thing that would have been better is if I just stopped doing everything and only worked on the alternate, <laughs> but I, I can't really afford to do that. Right. You know? That's the um, other thing you have to take into account is you have bills to pay and this is how you pay those bills. So you can't just not do anything. Right. So you wouldn't you, yeah, it's better for you to be directing than producing at this point. Right. And, you know, and I think the work that I've done um, as a director has been good and, and I'm proud of it and everything. Uh, but this is one of the things that Matt and Chrissy and I talked about, like, or at least I asked them this question. I was like, well, like, what do you guys think? Like, you know, even if these projects can only be so good and, um, you know, sometimes it's out of my control whether they're good at all or not, you know, is it still worth it for me to be directing these things? And then Matt basically said, like, well, like, how many people are going to see them? You know, like, are like a ton of people are going to see these things? Or are they just going to see them on your IMDb later? And <laughs> right. it was like, that was kind of a good point. Cause you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are going to see these and like, they, I know they have a lot of subscribers on BLK and everything, but you have to be a subscriber to really watch any of the girl power stuff. And, um, yeah, so and I'm not saying I'm not proud of that work. Like I think it is good and I mean there's definitely some things that I would do differently if I was to do it again, but I I think that like these things are they are what they are, right? Cuz of the content, because of um, you know, the type of show it is and because it's a sitcom, like this is this is what we're making here, yeah, you know. Right. Like we're not making um, you know, <laughs> Shakespeare or or right. uh, you know, like you know, a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, it's, it's, you just have to it's embrace a, it's a it for kid what it sitcom. is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's got silly lines and plots that are predictable, and you know that's just the, the way it is. And you know, I think we're all on the same page of what it is, and I think I'm just doing my best to make it the best version of what it what it is. You know, right. and really just make it the most silly, fun, and and touching. Uh, story that it that it can be, and I think you know, I think I've been making some pretty good choices. Not to you know get all crazy, but yeah, <laughs> you know. And I think those so. are great skills as a director to learn because hopefully you'll get to the point one day where you're not just making your own things and you're collaborating with people and you're working on scripts that are different than what you would write yourself. And being able to stay true to like what a script is and what a, a script wants to be. I think is an important skill to learn as a director and you're not just kind of forcing everything into your style. So right, exactly. I think it's good. And to go back to like yeah. the, like you don't have a lot of control over many aspects of it, but you do have control over some of it. And I remember talking right. to um, Martin, I can't think of his last name, the plumber, oh, plumber Strauss, Martin, Martin Strauss. So, you know, early on before he went and started like doing commercial directing and when he was just kind of building his reel and taking a lot of jobs that I think he was frustrated with because they had, you know, very little money and there's a lot of things that he didn't have control over. My advice to him was focus on the things that you can, that you do have control over. So if you look at a project and all you have control over is the shots, you know, what the shots are, you don't really like maybe the agency's giving you the actors and the agency's giving you the location and all you can choose are the shots then just focus as a director then focus all your energy into making those shots the best they can be and know that all the other stuff's out of your control and then whether right. or not you succeed at that project is how you performed on that 
particular task. And that that's kind of what I did in my early career is I was given a lot of stuff I had very little control over. I mean, a lot of times, I, you know, that example I gave is directly from my experience where I was given a script, I was given actors, I was given a location, and I was just told, like, show up with a camera and um, you're directing and you're editing this. And it's like, so, all right, well, there's a lot of parts of being a director that I don't have control over. I'm also behind the camera, operating the camera. I don't have a first AD. I'm probably not going to be lighting it all that great because I don't have a crew with me. So it's like, those are things I don't have control over. So what do I, what can I control? You know, I had to like look project by project. What do I have control over and how can I make this the best version of this script that it can be? And what can I walk away proud of having done on it? Yeah, totally. And somehow, I don't know, I don't know exactly how it happens, but you work on enough of these projects and somehow it turns into work that you do want to do. And for me, I think some of it came from the projects I did outside of work to prove that I could do something different. Cause if I just relied on the stuff that I got from the agency, I probably would have been doing a lot more like straight up comedy, maybe more slapstick comedy, but that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to do stuff that was, you know, a little bit more serious and a little bit more dark. And so the stuff that I was doing outside of work counterpointed the stuff that I was doing inside the agency um, to help kind of like shape people's perspective on me. And then, you know, at a certain point you can just choose what you want in your reel and you can show like here, here's the style that I want to be in. And you, and you come with, a resume of like, hey, I've been shoot, I've been directing for five years. Here right. are the pieces that reflect who I want to be as a director, and you know they don't have to see all five years of work. They just have to see like the best pieces that you have to offer that show which direction you want to go in. And the five years of experience right. just kind of speaks for itself, you know. Yeah, and then maybe you take like like a, a snippet from from something you know e- even if like not the whole thing is what you want it to be but like you can take yeah. this little piece you if know? you can find a piece that in some in one of the projects that you're doing that you're like oh man this would be great for my reel i don't need like all 20 minutes of the sitcom but if i can just get this one minute right that one minute would make such a killer like real piece right then you just right. make sure that you get it the way you want it even if it's not the way that ends up being in the finished film and it's just something that you want for your reel like let's just do another take where it's more like what i would do if i was if this was my script and you know right. use that as a separate thing you know sometimes you just yeah, yeah. You use an opportunity to get what you want even if that's not what the agency wants or the network wants or right. you right. know what you know, whoever else wants Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been great. And another thing that I've really been enjoying too is like just seeing the the script and then seeing what is shot, you know, or what we shoot and then seeing where we did a good job of realizing the script and, and you know, taking it from page to screen and then where things, you know, didn't work out so well. Also, like I'm, I'm editing this show that I didn't direct right now. And so looking at that footage and then reading the script and then seeing what they shot for the scene and seeing like how things are different and how things, how they had to like change things to make them work for budget or change things to make them work for time. Like it's really interesting and like how it still works and still serves the story, you know, but it just, it's, it's really fun to like be a part of that process. And I think 
also you learn a lot as a filmmaker doing that stuff too because you see you, you see the mistakes and you see the the successes you know even if it's something i directed or something i didn't direct you still like you learn when you're in that position yeah which i think is really sure. cool um so this is in response to hilton day's episode which was like a huge hit i mean I don't know if you experienced this too, Timothy, but I mean, yeah. I get people talking to me about this episode all the time. Just yeah, it really, seemed like really it really it. resonated with people. Why yeah. Why is that, do you think? Uh, I think one of the reasons is because Hilton Day is just the greatest guy and everyone loves Hilton. He's got an infectious know? attitude. <laughs> yeah, and I think everyone who works with him or meet meet him or just interacts with him like just has a great experience, you know, whatever it is. And so I think that's part of the reason is because everyone's just excited to hear from Hilton. And then I also think it's because he drops a lot of great knowledge in an episode and gives a lot of detail into uh, production into the role of uh, an assistant director and also for a production, like from a production ex- assistance perspective. And so I just think there's just a lot of great information in that episode. And I think that's why it's such a big hit. But anyway, so Joey heard the episode. Um, he says, really good interview, but I do feel like there does need to be a few corrections or clarification rather on the movies that have been shot in the Bay Area, though. So yeah, he wrote that um, on Twitter and then I wrote him back on Twitter and said, do you mean like the amount of the movies that were shot in the Bay Area? Because, you know, Hilton was throwing out some big names, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Transformers, um, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. You know, it's like he I think he wanted to be careful that we didn't make it seem like there's all this production happening in the bay area when in reality they were just coming here for a few days to get some establishing shots or you know some scenes that were fit into the whole movie but it's not like they're shooting the entire movie here and i feel i feel like most of our audience probably understands that because i think we're all like we we've been pursuing a career for a while but he, he was concerned that some young filmmakers would hear that and think oh san francisco is like popping like i i gotta move to san francisco or oakland because there's all these movies being ha- being shot there so any of you young listeners out there this is what joey has to say and you know this is <laughs> this is the the reality of it um so it's not about he says it's not the amount of film shot in the Bay Area that I think needs correcting. I think it's more of a clarification on what studios are doing with San Francisco as a landscape. When Hilton lists off the films that have been shot in SF, he mentions, for example, Dawn for the Planet of the Apes. And while it's true that the movie takes place in San Francisco, it was for the most part like 85% of it not shot in San Francisco. And he, Joey says, I only know this because we did some behind-the-scenes shoots for that movie. Uh, he goes on, most of the streets of San Francisco were shot in New Orleans, and the forest scenes in Muir Woods was shot in Vancouver, and that's telling. And that's a conversation point that I think should definitely be on the table when talking about film shooting in San Francisco, because as much as I love San Francisco, it's not a city that's been very big-budget film-friendly, and it's worth exploring why. Hilton mentions a few other movies like Ant-Man that was shot mostly in Georgia, taking place in San Francisco with some key establishing shots done in San Francisco. 
And I'm not trying to point out to say he's wrong or anything, but I just want to make sure that people listening to your show know the reality of the film industry in specific places. The film industry is looking to get their below-the-line crew in other places outside of L.A. with tax breaks. And while San Francisco occasionally factors into that, it's usually not enough to help some sustain a living at the entry-level position in the film industry, while also fast-tracking the opportunity to experience. I'm just going to insert here, I think... Um, Joey is a proponent of moving to LA. Okay, going on. Uh, Joey says, and I would hate for people to hear his advice about the Bay Area being a great place to start your career where it's very tough because of the supply and demand of labor where something like starting in LA where you can get like 10,000 hours quicker without having a six-month break of nothing like he mentions would be a smarter route landing in a place where you understand production and understand what you want to do in production and then decide where you want to live based off of that. Again, I'm not trying to call anything out. I just felt like there needed to be a little bit of a counterpoint, especially when it comes to the shooting locations of the places that Hilton mentioned. Only because he made a lot of claims as San Francisco being a great place to start your filmmaking career using the films cited as examples when I think that just needs a little bit more clarification and context. Otherwise, great interview. Love to hear from folks in various positions in the film industry. Please do more. Thanks for the great content. And thank you, Joey, for that email. <laughs> I think it's important to point yeah. out, I, I think, where we, we didn't poke into it because we feel like everyone listening to the podcast understands that stuff. But yeah, if there's young people trying to decide what they want to do with their careers and whether or not to stay in San Francisco or come to San Francisco, I don't think we are ever saying like you should move to San Francisco to start your career. I think Ulrich and, have, and I have said a million times, if you're just starting out and you're trying to decide where to go to college and you really want to do like Marvel movies or Dawn of the Planet of the Apes or any of the stuff that was talked about in that, you're going to have a much easier time doing that in Los Angeles than you would starting your career in San Francisco. But if you do are in a city like San Francisco or Georgia or New Orleans, uh, you know, like, and I know Georgia and New Orleans, the same thing, Atlanta, there's opportunities to be on those movies, which is the whole point was like Hilton's not in LA, but he's getting a chance to work on some of these big movies, maybe in a small capacity. But I mean, that's just cool. I think it's exciting that somebody outside of Los Angeles is doing this kind of stuff. And that that's, the whole reason we went kind of through the list of the movies that were shot in the Bay area and that Hilton had experience on. Right. I think everyone knows that movies are shot in Vancouver and Atlanta and all these other places, but I don't think people necessarily realize how much production is done in other places like San Francisco, Mm -hmm. you know, for example. So you were just outlining that, you know, big movies are shot here too, you know? Um, and I, I don't think anyone, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't think we were making it sound like the whole movie was shot here or anything, but it's very clear. They're just here for a few weeks, you know, mm-hmm. at best to get, you know, some exteriors and, you know, some key shots that they need that they can only get here, you know, but I still think that's valid. And I think what Hilton was trying to say was that, you know, just because this isn't Los Angeles and just because, um, you know, this isn't the Mecca of filmmaking doesn't mean that you can't have a great start to your career here or other places, you know, and basically he was just 
fighting back against that whole like uh, notion that you know crews not based in like Los Angeles or Vancouver or New York or even Atlanta now I guess that the the crews outside of those major hubs are not um, up to the same level as LA crews so he was just saying that like the the training he got here in San Francisco working on some of these big projects has has got him to the point where he is at the same level as any crew from anywhere else. And I think that uh, Joey, even though he doesn't necessarily come out and say it, I think he's kind of fighting back against that a little bit. And he's saying <laughs> that you should start in LA because that's the only place where you can really get the right training. And I think Hilton is really d- just disagreeing with that. Well, I think you know? not the right training. I think Joey's argument is that in LA, so a place like LA where there is a lot of production, you'll get 10,000 hours much faster than you would in like the Bay Area where Hilton said, oh, I have a six break, six month break sometimes where like nothing's happening. And so Joey's yeah, like, well, why? But, but this, you know. this sentence is the one that gets me. Mm-hmm. Would be a smarter route to landing in a place where you understand production and understand what you want to do in production. So he's basically inferring that if okay. you don't start in Los Angeles, then you don't really understand production in the same way, <laughs> which I think is exactly what Hilton was, was, you know, speaking against is that saying that you can start in a place like San Francisco and understand production just as well as someone starting in any of these other, you know, major cities. And so I think people are just going to fight against that and people are not going to be on board with that. But I just sure. say, Hey, it's, it's totally true. You know, like we have great crews everywhere and big movies come to lots of different places Yeah, and you can get the, the, the right training and the right experience if you're surrounded by the right people. You know? Yeah, and I think you're always going to hear us defend on the podcast cities outside of Los Angeles because there's plenty of people that live in Los Angeles and plenty of plenty of podcasts that come out of Los Angeles and books written from people that are in Los Angeles and all of them tell you, go to Los Angeles. That's the only place you're going to get a career started. And we're trying to just say, just share stories of people that have careers outside of LA that didn't start in LA and just say, there are opportunities. Like, there's enough advice out there to move to Los Angeles that we don't also necessarily need to be a part of that. And we do often say, yeah, you, if you want these things, go to LA, but we're also putting out in the world that there's just, uh, there's opportunities wherever you are and you got to find them. And hopefully that's a positive message that people hear and God help any young person listening to this podcast making decisions about what they want to do with their career. I think there's better places to figure out what you want to do with your (laughs) career than our podcast. Um, You know, so if you are listening and you are trying to decide, like write us before you make decisions. I don't think we would tell anyone like come to San Francisco. It's a great place to to learn filmmaking. But if you end up here because that's where your heart is, like I think, you know, what happens with all of us is we end up in places sometimes based on decisions when we're young that don't necessarily have to do with like the long term goal in mind. Like I didn't come to the Academy of Art in San Francisco because I thought that I'd have an amazing career in San Francisco. I basically came here because I like the city and it matched like my temperament and it matched like kind of what I wanted from life. And then after I graduated was when I realized, oh, I see why a lot of people go to LA for school because you meet people in school and when you graduate that kind of like start your career. So it all made sense later, but you know, sometimes you just, you end up places that you didn't plan. You can't plan your entire life. So right. if you do end up in well, those I places, mean, there's opportunities. 
there's also a reason why we ask everybody who's here why they're not in Los Angeles or New York, you know? I mean, that's just a standard question <laughs> that we ask people. Um, yeah. Just because it's a question that we get asked a lot, you know, uh, as a filmmaker outside of uh, these major hubs, you know? Um, but I also wanted to say, too, that, like, you know, people talk about bad crews outside of Los Angeles, but there's plenty of bad crews in Los Angeles too, you know, like no, nowhere is perfect. Like it's not like everybody <laughs> working in LA is like the best crew member ever, mm-hmm. you know, and I've heard stories about, you know, people in Los Angeles doing things that are not right too, you know, just like you've heard stories about people doing not things, doing things in, in a, an improper way here. So, you know, I just want people to get a, a clear view on things that it's not just like, Oh, all these people over here are perfect. And all these people over here are are not perfect. You know, I think it's, it's a give and take, but I think there's, there are good crews everywhere. And I think, you know, I would love to see, um, you know, people hiring locally more um, in different cities rather than just flying all their crew everywhere. Like, sure. You're going to fly your DP. You're going to fly your gaffer maybe, you know, or your, your key people. But, you know, I think like there are great, crew people everywhere so just just lean on those communities you know um which people do obviously you know like 13 reasons why i mean i think a lot of the crew is all local for the most part you know or a a good amount of it is you know so that's that's a good thing Uh, although i did hear that they flew out a special effects makeup person for a certain scene and i'm like man margaret could have done that like why didn't they just hire margaret what the hell that's crazy um it's all but, about relationships you know, they didn't know margaret. it is about relationships and yeah like, and, oh and, we could hire her we know she's there but we haven't worked with her so we don't know right or like yeah i just want to work with my my buddy gary who you know whatever he does a great job yeah we we, we have it in the budget to fly him out okay no problem you know <laughs> that kind of thing um but anyways joey thank you for the the email and for the for the note, you know, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if Hilton listens to this, I'd love for him to do a little like 10 minute conversation with us. Do you know if he has any opinions on this, uh, <laughs> on this email? But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think we're all on the same page. I think we're all on the same I, page. We are, yeah, for sure. And definitely. thanks Joey. Like the clarification, the point is well taken and yeah, hopefully everyone totally. hears it and understands. And I hope we didn't mislead anyone in our Hilton day episode. I didn't think we right. did, but if we did, hopefully it's corrects it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email to podcast at making movies is hard.com. You can also visit our website at making movies, hard, making movies is hard.com where you can find the links to things we talked about in this episode. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook with the handle at MMIH Podcast. We also have an indie filmmakers group on Facebook that we're a part of with a bunch of other podcasts. Um, you know, filmmaking sucks, but we love it. They're, they're on there and uh, just shoot it and a bunch of other people. Uh, finally, if you like the show, tell your friends about it or leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And lastly, uh, I probably should have said this first, but I want to say this now. Um, do you guys want us to do like, you know, another ending section? Like we used to do like a share corner where we talk about things that we like. Um, you know, and I listen to a lot of just shoot it, <laughs> shoot it and they do their unpaid endorsements uh-huh. section. Um, but should we do something like this? No. Um, oh, sorry. You don't you're not so? asking me. You're asking, you're asking the, audience. I'm asking the audience. I'm also asking you. I always fought against this stuff. You just don't like it, huh? I think it's. Yeah, I don't really like it. I don't even, I don't like it on Just Shoot It either. Really? Yeah, because I feel like. Well, they just copied it from Script Notes. I mean, you know. Right. I I never really, I never liked it on Script Notes either. 
that's me personally. It just seems like a an unnecessary like addition. I and I feel like anything that's expected week in and week out will get stale oh, yeah. at some point. So I feel like if you have something you want to share, just say, "Hey, I, I got something to share. I want to just like shout out." Yeah. Rather than make it like a section, right? That's my personal take. But okay. yeah, audience, you yeah, tell us. Yeah, I, I want to know what, what people want. think. Like, are we boring for not having more sections? Should we have some sections? I don't know. Anyways, let us know. Timothy's spoken. Um, you know, obviously, I don't care. It's like a radio to show. It's it. the top of the hour, and that means it's time for share corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was doing another podcast, and they do like little games or little uh, sections uh, every once in a while. You know, it's it's yeah. more of a comedy podcast, but like every once in a while, they'll have a different thing that they don't always do, but they do sometimes. I don't know. I mean, that kind of stuff. I'm not a fan of it. I'm I'm a fan of uh, real stories. WTF? Mark Marin is like that's like the ideal for me. Okay. It's like it's just a conversation, and that's it. Well, he also rants for a million years before his. Actually, I love the rants, the, the, 20, minute the twenty minute rants before rants. the episode yeah. starts. I can't. I can't. And get his like that. awkward transitions into commercials. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. I've only listened to a couple of Mark Maron episodes, but um, I sure do like Amongalow. Ooh, he's great on that show. Um, okay, we're done. See you guys next week. See ya. <laughs>